Of all the genres in literature, I suppose the mystery novel is one of the most popular. You go into the library and you find the stacks of mystery novels. I enjoy them myself. Someone said that mystery is an important part, a component of life, and especially of marriage, that there needs to be a certain mystery in marriage. When, if that's true, Barbara and I have been married nearly 50 years, come, come uh, September, be 50 years. If that's true, then there's a lot of mystery in, in our marriage because I tell you, I haven't had a clue for 50 years. I, had no, it, I haven't figured it out yet. And, and, but you stop and think about it, that the, the sense of being amazed and mystified is a human characteristic. Nothing else in creation has it. We are mystified at the leaves turning color in the fall, but the maple tree doesn't seem to be mystified. We are mystified that a small monarch butterfly can flitter from New Hampshire to the central plateau of Mexico, but the monarch butterfly doesn't seem to be mystified. It's a human characteristic to be mystified, to be amazed, to be astonished. And we've always reacted as human beings to that sense of otherness that's in the world. Uh, early man painted on caves and rocks to sort of show, express his mis the mystery of the world. We, we've had complicated burial rituals from man, even in prehistoric men, so that over and over again we've, we've been amazed at this world in a lightning storm, standing at the sea or watching the moon rise over the mountains. We stand with mouth agape, amazed, mystified. What does it all mean? The psalmist cried out, when I see the stars and the moon, what is man? Mere man. And so mystery has always been an important function of our life. Those who met Jesus were frequently amazed. And the reason I read this story, I could have read many others, was because at the end it says, everyone was amazed, was mystified. Everyone sort of shook their heads, not quite understanding, knowing that what Jesus had done and said was beyond them somehow. Even his best communication seemed to be beyond them. They, they were astonished. They were mystified. They were amazed at what he did. He calmed the sea and they were amazed. He turned water into wine, and they were amazed. He, a lame man would walk, a blind man would see, and they were mystified at that. He was resurrected, and they were so surprised. He was always amazing people, mystifying them. But in our culture, we are not amazed very easily, are we? We've seen it all. After all, we've seen a man on the moon and we found out it's not green cheese after all, but just dry dust. We communicate by satellite, see events that occur around the world as they happen, watch soccer in South Africa, even as it is being played. We are seldom mystified. Go to the movies and you see these special effects that are so realistic that even when you know it is not real, you cannot tell why it is not real. It just looks real. 
Uh, we're not amazed very often anymore. Barbara and I were driving down the highway not too long ago, and I realized that we were using a GPS in our car. We had a cell phone that we called a hotel, made reservations, and we were listening to satellite radio. Here were two old geezers in a car driving down the road, and we had all these electron well, just one geezer, one geezer. Hey. There's a mystery in my marriage, but not that much mystery, no. <laughs> yeah, we were riding down the road using all these things, and we, and we just took it for granted. It is amazing what we take for granted. And yet, even in the most cynical scientific world and culture in which we live, we recognize that there are some things that we cannot take for granted. There are some things beyond our control and our reach and our understanding. Some things that we cannot calculate. Things that we cannot compute that are beyond us, that are of another dimension, that are supernatural. And of those things like death and burial, like marriage and a new birth, we celebrate those in the church. Because religion has always cultivated the mystery of life, and rightly so. Every time we worship, we cultivate that sense of mystery. We come into a place with stained glass windows, listen to beautiful music that lifts our heart so that it soars. We use candles and the symbols of the table. We speak the words of ancient words that have been spoken for centuries, centuries, centuries. The pastor wears a robe. There's a sense of mystery, even about worship like ours, which is not very liturgical, but still there is this mystery that we convey, want to convey to all people because we recognize that man cannot live by bread alone and that this world is made up of something far more important than what you and I can see and taste and feel. As I look at my own ministry, however, I, th I realize that I probably spent more time trying to help people understand God, theology, with the brain, rational. Or I, tried to, I spent a lot of my time trying to get people not maybe to understand, but to be upstanding, ethics, behavior. So that I was constantly trying to get people to to be something, to know something. And maybe I should have spent more of my time asking people to sort of stand back and be in awe and wonder at God. Because let's face it, folks, we'll never fully understand God, will we? I remember that little story about the little fellow had come home from Sunday school he said, Mom, as he sat at the table where she prepared lunch for him, Mom is, where is God? Well, God's everywhere, son. Well, is he in this house? Yeah, he's in this house. Is he in this room? Yeah, he's in this room. Is he on this table? Sure, he's on this table. And the little boy takes an empty glass and puts it over the top. I got him. <laughs> and we are like that, too. Somehow we think we've got him. And so we call ourselves Baptists or Methodists, Pentecostals, Christians or Hindus, Buddhists, Shiite, Jews, conservative, reformed, 
you know, orthodox. We label ourselves on our understanding of God, sometimes not realizing that we only have just a small piece of who he is. We cannot understand him. And we cannot be fully upstanding, can we? For we all fall and fail. Even the best of us who know how to behave will sometimes behave wrongly. But we can't all stand back and know that God is who he is. You know, but, but still we try in a complicated way to understand who God is, to wrestle with who he is. We preachers often do that. The story goes of a four theologians who were going to an institute, a theological institute, and they were in a car crash and died. They approached the Lord in heaven at the pearly gates, and the Lord was there, and he asked them a simple question, Who am I? And one of them answered, You are the ground of all being. And another, not to be outdone, said, You are the overflowing effervescence of infinity. And the third one, not to be outdone, said, You are the in infinite energy of reconciliation and absolute intuitiveness. And the fourth one stood up and in his ministerial tone, and we ministerials know how to do the tone, he said, You are the gift that gives great sustenance. To the divine flicker. And God cocked his head and said, Huh? <laughs> but isn't it true that we try to encapsulize who God is and wisdom, catch him under an empty glass, label him, and think somehow we can understand Almighty God? But Paul, who knew God as well as anybody and probably explained him as fully as anyone, said to us, we see through a glass darkly. And so it, the sermon is an appeal to us to recognize that while there is a time for us to try to understand God and to, and to be upstanding before God, there is also a time for us to stand back and just simply be in awe of God with his majesty. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe you've stood on the beach, faced the sun in the morning, felt the tide coming in and sort of pulling that sand out from under the soles of your feet, know that you were a part of something far bigger than you ever know. Maybe you felt that sense of mystery when you felt your child kicking in the womb. Or maybe when you were around a campfire, you saw those sparks fly up into the sky, flicker out. Or you laid on your back and looked into the starry sky, looking, searching for a shooting star. Maybe someone forgave you one time and you felt a deep sense of mystery. Maybe while you were singing a hymn or heard a great hymn sung, maybe in a cathedral with a huge organ and a wonderful choir, you heard that and sensed that sense of mystery in your life. Or maybe it was just a simple little country church where without a piano, a choir or the congregation sang a cappella, it is well with my soul. I don't know when you have been overwhelmed by the mystery of God, by the wonder and amazement of God. But I would invite you to cultivate that. I want you to understand God. 
I want you to be upstanding before God, but I also want you to stand back and simply let God overwhelm you and be amazed in his presence. For less, after all, the disciples never did understand him, did they? And the disciples never stood by him very well either, did they? None of them were at the cross. Well, one was, but he ran off when someone identified him, ran off. They grabbed him by the cloak, and he ran, shirked his clothes and ran off into the darkness naked. But all of them were amazed at him. And that seemed to be enough. Maybe being amazed in his presence to be aware of his mystery is what we need more in our lives. Shall we pray? <clears throat> our Father, overwhelm us with your presence. Do not allow us to become ho-hum. Strike us even as a bolt of lightning. May the thunder echo through our soul as we come to understand that you are God. And so preserve us from thinking we understand you completely so that we can judge our own acts or yours or the actions of other people. Let us know, our Father, our limits and your limitless energy and presence in our life. Now watch over as we continue the service, we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.